You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. The vine dresser, it's broken up in a couple of areas. He starts off by identifying who he is. Jesus, in, in John 15, he identifies who he is. He identifies who the Father is. And then he identifies who we are. And then after he identifies who we are, then he, he gives us what the Christian walk would look like and in the pruning process, what would happen in those areas. And then he talks about when we obey, when we have this abiding, what would happen in our lives. So that's the quick context of these questions. So um, if someone at the table would read those before um, you jump into it and, and ask those questions. And again, um, if you guys are new here, if you guys have not done this before, um, welcome. Welcome. This is a, a great time where we, dot, we not only have monologue, we actually have dialogue where we would grow with one another. And if you guys um, are at a small table, I would... I would um, recommend you you buddy up with another table and someone grab those notes and talk. We are going to, Jay Mead and I, we're going to um, do it for the online audience. Uh, but before we do that, um, I, I'd like to pray for, oh, we have so many um, sicknesses going on around right now. We want to pray for that. We also want to pray for Jay. He's going to, um, he's going to Ida the, the, the affected areas of Ida, he's flying to Florida tomorrow and getting picked up by Joel Dreddy, and they're going to drive into Baton Rouge. And I want to pray for him that God would uh, direct us to a place where we could come alongside that church and those bodies, those people, believers, and that we would um, see the first part of abiding. We would see salvation happen over there by the efforts of our relief ministry. So uh, join me real quick as we pray, and then we will uh, break up in groups. So, Father, we come to you and we thank you that we have such a gracious and merciful God that hears our prayers, Lord. You are the owner of the universe, Lord, and yet you decide that you want communion with us, and we thank you for that. And as, as we come and commune with you, we ask, Lord, for our loved ones, Lord, our uh, body here that has gone through um, this COVID, Lord. We, we lift up Dan, we lift up Kevin, we lift up the Valorias, we lift up all these people, we lift up the Sours to you, all these people healing of this, Lord. We pray, Lord, for um, the families. We pray for um, uh, Eladio and Roxana that they lost an aunt. We pray for these people that have lost loved ones because of this and other sicknesses, Lord. We've um, just been inundated with these things, Lord, and we want to, before we respond, we want to put it at your feet, and we ask that you would bless these people, help these people, show compassion on these people, Lord, and um, we do ask for uh, the families, the, the people left in Afghanistan, Lord, have mercy. We ask for that, Lord, and um, we ask that our country would respond to this, Lord, and um, our leaders would not brush this away, Lord. We, we do pray for that, Lord, and uh, we pray for Ida as well and all the uh, affected areas that um, people would know that they're loved by you. 
you have not forsaken these people. And we pray for Jay and Joe Aldretti that you would make a way as they do this scouting trip and connect them with other believers, Lord, that would um, continue this work, would have vision to um, weeks, months, years past this, to use this, Lord, for your kingdom's sake, Lord. So we lift all this up to you, and we lift up this night to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and um, turn around, introduce yourselves, and jump into those questions, and we'll be with you. Uh, give us a couple minutes online, and we'll uh, get ready over here. Well, good evening, uh, Calvary La Habra Online. Uh, welcome to this evening's broadcast. <laughs> we're, uh, we're your hosts for this evening. Um, we're going to be going through uh, Gospel of John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Gospel of John chapter 15. If you <clears throat> uh, missed the studies from Lance, he went over uh, this section from verses 1 through 8. Uh, two consecutive weeks in uh, two different parts uh, to this series and uh, just talking about this uh, what is the last I am statement uh, in that Jesus makes uh, in the gospel <clears throat> in the gospel of John uh, we have uh, seven seven I am statements and and debatable <laughs> whether we have eight because in uh, in John chapter 8 there's there's an I am uh, in there, and so some may say seven, some may say eight, <clears throat> but um, but there are these statements in there where Jesus is making definite statements uh, in regards to himself. When you look at, uh, if you have those seven statements, uh, the first four are made in public, some of those made from um, it, just public settings. There's uh, two that are made uh, in private, uh, and then you have this one that is addressed to his own apostles. Um, and when we look at this particular uh, section here, uh, understand if you look at your Bible, you can see if, uh, like mine, mine's all in red. And as you go from John chapter 13 uh, all the way through into uh, basically up to chapter 18, uh, you have a number of things that are happening. They're consecutive. And, uh, understand that translators, when they when they got the the Bible, they added in verses, they added in chapter breaks, 
uh, for our clarity uh, to make it easier for us to be able to, to read. Uh, but this is a continuous story, and so what we see at the end of chapter 14, it's uh, as Jesus is, is speaking to them and telling him about his death and telling him that he's about to go to the cross. It's just hours before. Chapter 13 is the, is the upper room. Uh, he washes disciples' feet so forth. Uh, but he begins to talk in uh, John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he begins to tell him about his death. He tells him he's going to uh, leave him a helper. He encourages them. But at the very end of uh, John chapter 14, he, he says in verse 31, arise, uh, let us go from here. And so they're going from that upper room in Jerusalem. And they're making their way where they're going to end up is the Mount of Olives. And for all of us that are on stage tonight, uh, we are seasoned Israeli uh, yeah. tourists. <laughs> and so we've been there. And so when we see stuff like this, we can kind of picture uh, them walking out of this upper room. And, and they would have to go through what's known as the Kidron Valley. And uh, Jerusalem sits up on a hill. When we look in scripture, all we see like they're going to go up to Jerusalem because it's on a hill. And they go into this valley, and then they're going to make their descent, and they come up to the Mount of Olives. Uh, when you see Jesus riding on a donkey on that last week, he's going to ride from the Mount of Olives down into the Kidron Valley up into Jerusalem. And so uh, they're going the opposite way uh, right now. And so the idea here, and why all this is possibly important, is that you have to think of the setting, and the setting is they're leaving, walking through the Kidron Valley, and just as Jesus has done so many times, and the purpose, uh, reason why he's uh, taught in parables, and you know, Lance had shared some of those things early on, was to make things applicable. You think about that society, the people around that time, most of them were illiterate. So most of them could not read or write, and so you, they spoke in, in pictures and they described things in detail, but using practical examples is why you have a sower that goes out to sow, so somebody that's uh, casting seed and so forth. Uh, in this case, what may be happening is that they were walking through a vineyard. They are walking through, down into the, through the Kidron Valley, and there might have been a vineyard through that area. But regardless whether there was that or not, vineyards were very well uh, known to them. Uh, they're very familiar with it and the processes of, of growing grapes and, and tending to vineyards. And this is what Jesus would draw off of as he is, is going through there. And uh, he would say this, and I'll go ahead and read and I'm gonna turn it over to these guys so um, we'll start to kind of take it apart a little bit, make some observations for you. He says this, uh, beginning here at verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may be, bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me." I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So that's the section we're going to be going through tonight. And I know in your opening monologue, <laughs> you had mentioned uh, just uh, how Jesus begins to um, relate some of these some of these aspects of the vine uh, to us. And so maybe you can expand on that and what he's trying to convey to us. I'm going to move back here a little. <laughs> yeah, I think first of who, who he's trying to convey to us, who he is. And um, the I am statement. The I am that he says here is he's the true vine. And um, if you go to uh, chapter 16 in verse... One and two, he says, these things I've spoken to you that you should not um, be made to stumble. They will not, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, that time is coming. And so, like you said, this is a connection. And, and here in chapter 16, we see, you know, this applies here. He, his, his disciples were Jews. And they were going to get kicked out of the only religion they knew, the only lifestyle they knew. This was not like here where, you know, we get kicked out of church. You get kicked out of this community, commerce is gone from you, family's gone from you, everything is gone from you. And, and here he's telling them, I'm the true vine. It's not Judaism. As Lance says, it's not, it's not the isms of the world. And he's preparing them because these things are coming. And he wanted them to know, listen, I'm what life comes from. And so he, he, he is, he is he, he's describing who he is. And, and like uh, we were taught, you know, uh, through Lance, I love it. He equated the, the vine as, as for us as Americans, as, as we would see the stars and stripes. So it's our stars and stripes. So they, they, they know if someone would tell us, about, someone would, would give us a parable about the stars and stripes, we, w we would understand it. Mm -hmm. So they understood what the vineyard was. They understood that, that the vine. They knew all of these things that, that Lance talked about, this vital culturist. They knew all these things. Like you said, they probably came down and saw vines. So most of us don't have vines. I know Mead has a, a vine in his backyard. <laughs> but um, they understood this very well. And him saying, I'm the true vine. I'm, I'm the source of life. And then he equates who the father is. And he's talking, he's the vine dresser. He's the one that takes care of the vine. He's the one that's going to prune. He's going to make the decision of, of who stays and who doesn't stay and for what reason. But then, then he, he says who we are. And, and, and we, could be, we could be the unfruitful. We could be the fruitful, the more fruit. Or the much fruit, <laughs> and it, it, it all depends on that abiding. And so I know I'm jumping ahead, but again, I I believe I believe um, that Jesus was was trying to show us our relationship to Him, our relationship to the Father, and what happens when we're apart from God, and what happens when we're near God and even what happens when we're even closer to him so he's given us pictures of that that we can that we would understand those things so yeah I like how Lance started 
this two-part um, series, he just you know mentioned that you know Jesus was really wanting us to know what his role in our relationship is, and and, and then what our role in our relationship in this relationship is. And um, he brought out a, a verse in Jeremiah two, verse twenty-one, that conveyed that that you know God's desire for um, the nation of Israel was that they would be fruitful. And, you know, we were talking about that the, spirit, the spiritual condition of the nation was, was dead. And the reason why it was dead <clears throat> was because they didn't have a personal relationship with their God. They didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. It was a legal relationship. And it was the religious leaders um, pushing this narrative that um, in order for you to have a right standing with God, that you had to obey everything in the law, but not only obey everything in the law, but everything that, every way that they interpreted the law. Um, they took the law and they interpreted it themselves. They kind of made up laws, kind of like what's happening today. Um, but, you know, and if you didn't do that, you, you, weren't, you weren't considered in. You weren't considered uh, in right standing. And, and so the condition of the world was dead. And, and Lance mentioned, you know, this Jesus was was passing the baton on. He wanted uh, this group of disciples to, to get it. He wanted them to understand that, as you mentioned, Francel, the only uh, the, the only source of spiritual life was was being connected to Jesus, was being connected to the vine. And so he brings this very familiar illustration um, that would have that they would have known, and um, applies it to. Uh, their, his God's role and then their role in the relationship and I just love it I love this picture of of the vine I love this picture it's it's really an invitation um, not only to the disciples but but to us today to um, to be grafted in you know I was reading in Romans 11 as I was re-listening to these two studies part one and part two yesterday and today and uh, you know as you read in Romans 11 it talks about um, this olive tree and and, and the branches that um, represent the nation of Israel. And, and because they didn't get it, um, God allowed <laughs> these uh, wild branches, you and I, Gentiles, to be, to be grafted in uh, so that we could um, uh, have Jesus' life um, produced in and through us and that we might be fruitful. I might be jumping ahead too, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned... Uh you know, the idea of a vine is familiar uh, to the Jew, uh, to Israel, as uh, what was noted that there are symbols that were on coins and on uh, various uh, places, temple and so forth. Um, and so those things would be very familiar in the Bible a number of times mentions a vine and use that as an illustration, most notably in Isaiah chapter 5 and Isaiah chapter 5. Uh, the Lord is speaking to the nation of Israel and just and just talking using using the whole aspect about uh, this uh, vine dresser that goes and and creates this vineyard and digs around it tends to it plants it and does everything he can and uh, but yet he ends up condemning it and the reason why is in Isaiah chapter five verse seven it says uh, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. They, he looked for justice, but, fa but behold, oppression, for righteousness, uh, but behold, a cry for help. And when, 
when the Lord looked for justice and righteousness and expected that to be uh, the fruit that would be being produced, uh, it wasn't. And so it got brought into judgment. And this is why at the very beginning of John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am, I am the vine or I am the true vine. And I think in the Greek, it's originally, I am the vine, the true. And the emphasis there being on the true, uh, we see his, another I am statement, and that is uh, when he says, I am the bread of life in John chapter 6. And he says, I am the true bread that comes from heaven. As, as you had the people that were coming to him and they were saying, ah, Moses gave us manna. What are you going to give us? You gave us, you gave us some bread, but we want more. And, and they started to challenge him. And, and Jesus says, I am, I am the true bread that comes from heaven. And so he made a, a comparison between what Moses gave and what he was offering. The same is true here. The same is true in the sense that he is saying, I'm not just the vine, I am the true vine. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been lots of vines mm -hmm. and there's been lots of, of images of the vine uh, being the nation of Israel, but the nation of Israel had continued to reject and it continued to fail. And again, when the Lord looked for uh, mercy, uh, he couldn't find it when he, or uh, righteousness, and, and he looked for those things, justice and, and righteousness. He didn't find those things. And so he's saying, look, I am the, tr the true vine as opposed to any other vine that may be offered. And so that is a picture that we're getting here. And this is what Jesus is conveying. And, and he's setting apart what he's offering here, again, on his last day, last hours uh, before he's headed to the cross, uh, giving them a message here. Um, you know, some of the things that I, I saw here when you were, had mentioned about uh, he labels everything, that he's the true vine, his father's the, the vine dresser, the one that attends, attends to, that tends to the vine and everything. And then we are the branches and, and we're part of this relationship between this relationship between us and, and the Lord, that God is there tending. And, that, and when I looked at this, and you, and you kind of go through a couple of things, especially in that next verse uh, where it talks about him pruning and it talks about him cutting away or lifting up, just depending on what camp you're in, <laughs> how, you're, how you translate the verse two. Um, but the point is, is that you see, and I just pictured this, this tender, loving God even in the pruning, even in all those things. And we're going to get into some of that stuff. But picture a, a tender, loving God that loves his vine, that, that is doing everything to protect it and to allow it to be fruitful and to grow. And so there's a couple of things that read, rang true in my mind or, or just rang forth in my mind. And that was, you have this loving father and he is, and this whole thing is about the potential that is there. And there's just this potential that God is trying to, to get this vine to, uh, to be able to produce like he knows it can. And that, with that being said, that analogy goes for us. Obviously, it's being spoken to us. Uh, because when God looks at us, he, he created us with this potential and he wants to bring us to that full potential. Uh, and so that's, in essence, some of the things that stuck out as I was looking at this. You know, a, a couple of things in the pruning process 
is that, um, you know, he, he prunes away dead branches. He prunes away branches that are not producing fruit. And I believe that, you know, as, as a believer, we can look at that and say, you know, again, not just he's going to cut us away, but what part of our lives, sin, you know, um, things that are, that are almost, right, in Hebrews 12, the, the, the weight that holds us down, what part of our lives that, that, that God wants to cut away because it's unfruitful? So, you know, I, I don't believe it's also just, hey, sinners, it's sin in a believer's life that he wants to prune away. And then there's, there's the, the pruning of good fruit. <laughs> and it, it's so more fruit and much fruit could come out of it. You know, uh, it, it, Lance talked about the book he was reading on from the Vital Culturist. It's 95, 90 to 95% of this year's growth at the end of the season will be pruned. So you, you're keeping 10 to 5% of 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 that growth in the year and 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 why why it, it it's it's for more fruit for healthier fruit it's so so you could grow at at a, at a level that's that's sustainable at a level that's that that, that that's good that 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 the fruit would have like as Lance talked about the color the the sweetness of it and um, that that doesn't happen you know, without us being first and foremost connected to the vine. And then it doesn't also happen without us letting the vine dresser, you know, part of this analogy is that, you know, we're branches with feet and we can run, you know, we can run from that. And it's only prolonging what God wants to do, but you know, we, we really could have a choice in the pruning process of allowing God to prune in that. And, and it's, not a, it's not a natural thing to do. Our defense mechanism, our natural mechanism is to defend ourselves. Anything that hurts, anything that, that would make us bleed, you know. And I love the comment that Lance said is um, God will hurt us. He will. He will allow pain to come, but he won't harm us. So the pruning is never for harming. It's, it's, it's to produce fruit, to produce more fruit, and to produce much fruit. So that, but that pruning process, is, is, it's been tough in, in, in my life. It's not, you know, I, oh, Lord, thank you that you're pruning, you know. But, but like it says here, you know, in, in, you know the, it's, I have recognized it. That it has been from God, and I have been the closest in my life when pruning is happening. I have experienced that in my life when God's pruning th- certain things out of my life, and you're like, "Man, I, I sense the Lord. I sense the Lord." And we've we've sensed that in this pruning season of COVID. We have from 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 day one, we've sensed the Lord. Yeah. You know, I remember in, in, you know, Lance talked about the very first study we did. 
when we weren't able to do it on a Wednesday night, it was a panel, the four of us. Nobody, nobody in the audience. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I didn't like it one bit. I didn't like doing that. I, didn't, I don't think any of us did, Lansing. The, but I felt the Lord that day in a special way. I did. And I know, remember all of us talking about that. And, and I remember God affirming us. I'm still with you. <laughs> Even though I just whack, just cut 95% of the body, of the fruit that's been growing for decades. And I remember going back there after that and, and meeting with the sound team. I remember going back there and we were all in tears of, of what happened. And it wasn't tears of, part of it was tears of missing people, but, tar, but the tears were, we sensed the Holy Spirit was with us. And we sensed that vine dresser so close to us that we couldn't do anything but cry. But that's also been, you know, I've had personal experiences with that in my marriage and my parenting where, yeah, there's some cutting away. And, you know, I felt the Lord so close to me and this just resonates I think with all of us if you walk with the Lord any amount of time you you, you have that so. yeah, absolutely there's uh, you know, things that go on in all of our lives and like you mentioned uh, whether it be as a result of sin or just even a, a fruit the whole purpose is that you know Lord's pruning away things because he wants us to be able to produce more and, and produce, and there's no way that we're going to unless those processes happen. And so, um, so what do you say to that, <laughs> Mead? What thou sayest? Yeah, um, you know, Lance did mention that there are two different branches, <laughs> only two, you know, the fruitless and the fruitful. And, um, you know, when he was talking about the fruitless, um, you know, he mentioned that these branches actually entwine and mingle with the rest of the rest of the vine and as you mentioned Jay um, when Jesus saw the fig tree from afar off it looked healthy but um, when they got closer um, they, they realized that it was that it wasn't bearing any fruit and the reason why it is is because it wasn't um, it wasn't it, it was it was connected it was a picture of the nation of Israel but the nation of Israel wasn't again connected to the Lord in a, in, in a personal um, way, and I just lost my notes. Where are my notes? They're at. <laughs> um, you know, and 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 you know, it, it seems harsh, but the branches that aren't bearing fruit, he 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 throw he throws away, and and they're burned. And but then you know, we talked about this. Lance mentioned this that a vine um, that is not pruned will be unruly, unhealthy, and unproductive. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be <laughs> that fruitless vine, uh, you know, tossed and, and burned. You know, these, the, the branches are good for burning, but I, I, I don't want to burn. <laughs> you know, and then he, he talked about uh, fruitful branches and, and you know, they're, they're, they're fruit bearing. Um, you know, they're, they're drawing life from the vine. And, you know, if we're born again and abiding in Christ, uh, we're going we're gonna to produce fruit. And so, um, you know, he said that the pruning process is, can be a result of sin, 
or because we're bearing fruit and he wants to produce more fruit in our lives. And, um, you know, what really stuck out to me was uh, the part where he was saying that when we are pruned, um, sometimes a vine is pruned down to the nub. (laughs) And that is um, the time where you can see Jesus or the vine the most. And the vine, as we have been talking about, is Jesus. And so, you know, when he prunes us back, and it is such a painful uh, process, it's not good. It's, it, it, it's dying to self. Uh, it's dying to our own, you know, desires and, 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 and yielding to the Lord and saying, Lord, do what you need to do. Um, but but um, when, we are, when the Lord is pruning us, people will see Jesus in us. And that, um, and that the vine dresser is never closer to the vine when he's pruning. And that means... The, you know the father is is close to us and um, and so he you know he wants Jesus wants our life he wants every part of our life <laughs> he wants we talked about every room he doesn't want just the guest room but he wants the keys to, to, to every part of our life so he wants you to be a fruity branch <laughs> <laughs> um, so when we look at this you know one of the things I, I thought of for myself on it. I took this passage. I, I lived in the fertile land of Chino for a number of years. And so I think every cow that was a, used to be in California went through Chino. And so my ground was fertile. Anything I put there, it just grew and it just like went crazy. So I went and got this, uh, this peach tree because I, you know, I just get this vision that, you know, peach pie... <laughs> Is peaches all summer, cobbler, everything. Like anything you think of with peaches, we smoothies, all, everything. So I plant this this tree, but it, like I said, everything takes off, and so this tree just grows, and it produces so much that this branch was so weighty that it snapped because I had so many peaches on that, and so you know me being a new peach owner, I peach tree owner I went and so I was like oh man what do I do and so I went and I had to cut that branch off and and I read this and thought like oh man you know I need to to prune this thing Uh, because also the fruit was producing a lot but the skin was a a little bit too soft and and so I'm like oh I can like use this as an example and, and prune it back and and so that the next year I'll get these like great peaches and you know these big ones i won't have as many i couldn't even reach the top ones because it was growing so fast and every time we would go to pick one sometimes there'd be beetles on it those big japanese beetles be embedded in it just kind of buzzes you and so and so i'm like ah i'm gonna get ahead of this and so so i cut back the tree i trim this i trim that i i did all these things um you know i know lance and his study had mentioned uh, different things that, that need to happen. You know, you, mm-hmm. you cut this, you mm-hmm. cut it down to that nub. I, I knew that you cut those uh, suckers off of the, off the. Uh, he he didn't explain what that was, but uh, you when you see little shoots off of mm-hmm. the trunk, you cut those off so it doesn't steal the nutrients. And that's what you're doing. That's why you're mm-hmm. cutting it back. So you're directing those nutrients to certain areas, and and so I'm anticipating like this peach is you know that I'm we're gonna be carrying. I'm gonna be calling my kids over to help and. And the next year, I got one peach. <laughs> From like, like 2000 to like one. And I just thought like, 
I am the worst <laughs> vine dresser there is. <laughs> like, I, but it just kind of showed, it's taught me like a, a lesson because I am the worst vine dresser in comparison to, to the Lord. Mm, you know, yes. I thought I knew what I was doing. I pulled up some information. I got my inspiration from the scriptures and I, and I went through and I didn't. I didn't do things right and, 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 and it only produced one peach that next year. And, and, but yet the Lord, when we, you know, that's what happens when we try to rule our own lives. You know, we can do things and I'll just do this, I'll do that. And, you know, I just fight, like you mentioned, push against the, the pruning. And, and I think I can rule my own life, but I'm going to produce very little. And in fact, later on in what verse uh, five says, without me, you can do nothing. And you can't do anything worth value that, that is of deep spiritual value without the Lord. Yep. Now, you could do things and you can operate. I could be a pastor. I could be whatever in the church. But without him, I'm going to be producing very little, if anything. But when I allow him to come in, you know, he's the one that knows exactly what to prune, exactly where to cut, exactly what to take off, and exactly what to leave. And I had learned a, a big lesson. Fortunately, my peaches came back the following year. And so I only went one year without it, but I learned a valuable lesson uh, of really not assuming that I knew uh, what I was doing with that tree, but more so <laughs> that I assume I know what I'm doing with my own life and my own spiritual walk. So, that's a great analogy, Jay, because you know you 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 took what should happen for grapes and you applied it to peaches, and I think that's a good analogy because God knows us each individually, and God knows exactly what what needs to be pruned in each one of our lives. He doesn't treat us all like a vine. Some of us are peaches. Some of us are apples. And he knows exactly how to prune. He knows when to prune. He knows how much to prune. And, and God doesn't prune more than, than needs to be. He, he's not going to hurt us any more than we need to. You harmed that tree. <laughs> like you know, God's not going to harm us. Yeah. And, and what a... What a beautiful picture of, of God that, that he's trustworthy, you know. And in Isaiah chapter 5, where you talked about, if you read 1 through 7, he talks about, it's almost, it reminded me of what you were saying. You read that. God's saying, I planted you in the best. I, I gave you the best. I, I, I did everything. I picked the choicest of vine. I, I set you in the midst of, of the best tower. He's, he's saying all these things I prepared for you, and you didn't produce anything. And so, you know, we can be, you know, as Christians, we've, given, we've been given the, the best fertile soil. And that's the, the best fertilizer. And that, that's the Word of God. That's the Holy Spirit. And what are we producing with that? You know, and it, it, are we going to be condemned like Israel? Mm -hmm. Are we going to be, you know, um, in, in that Jeremiah 2 and Hosea uh, chapter 10, mm -hmm. he calls Israel a degenerate plant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like the soil wasn't bad, you know, and, and it's not, that's not in comparison to the soil in Mark 4. That's not what he's talking. The soil would be our hearts. But he was talking about in the soil that he gave this, the fertilizer that he gave, and he says, 
it's your fault. Mm -hmm. You didn't do with with what it should have been. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's a good lesson to us. Mm -hmm. What are we doing with what God has given us? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, where, where are we allowing these things to happen? Yeah. I think that's a good segue into abiding if you want to yeah. talk about that. Absolutely. As he goes on here, um, he mentions here again in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Uh, that made more, more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Then he says in verse 4, Abide in me, <clears throat> excuse me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit uh, of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Or again, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and, and is withered, and they will gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. <clears throat> if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so that you will be uh, my disciples. And, and he begins to talk about <clears throat> abiding, and uh, uh, abiding is just this... There's a few different ways to, to look at it, um, but really looking at it as a, a trusting relationship uh, that you have with, with the Lord. And, and I'm, I'm going to trust in, in him, as he mentions, you know, you abide in me and I in you. And so he's describing this uh, relationship, but he mentions a number of things that, that we need to abide in him in order to be fruitful. Uh, if we don't abide in him, we're going to wither away. He talks, he says a, a number of things here about the importance of really <clears throat> remaining in the Lord. And, and I, I think for a lot of us, you know, the tendency is for us to uh, kind of detach ourselves sometimes from the Lord and really not trust in him uh, completely. I sometimes pull away from things or uh, even as we were talking about uh, just a second ago about you know Lord coming in and, and pruning us you know there's some times where I, I try to maybe prune myself and I just say oh man I just I just need to read more <laughs> I just need to pray more I just need and we have our own remedies uh, for what we need in order to be able to correct a situation or to grow in our relationship and I'm, and I'm not always like really looking to him I'm not uh, I'm not putting myself in him and allowing him to be in me to where I'm really looking and saying, Lord, what do you want? How do you want to grow me? Mm -hmm. And I'm open to that whole process of pruning. I'm open to the whole process of him guiding me. I'm open to the whole process of me just really trusting him where I'm going to stay connected to him no matter what. And so there's a number of things here when he talks about uh, abiding, but the the idea I think in the Greek uh, talks about remaining, and that's and that's really what the emphasis here of what um, what Jesus is is getting at. So, if you, you know, when you read this this passage, um, you know you look at the action, what what what's happening, what's taking place, and really all the action is 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 coming from the vine dresser. And, you know, as it relates to our salvation and as it relates to our sanctification, both of these things are, are God 
working in our lives. And, and the only thing that we do is <laughs> we just remain. <laughs> we just abide and, and we allow them. Um, you know, I think about that passage in Romans chapter 12 where Paul is saying, you know, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And, you know, you think of that word sacrifice. Um, you know, a dead sacrifice has no will, has no choice. It, it has to be on the altar and it stays there. You know, a living sacrifice, as you mentioned, Francois, we, ha- we have a choice. You know, we're branches with feet, but we have a choice to, to, to remain on the altar or to get off. Um, and, you know, Paul was saying in that passage, you know, be living sacrifices. Mm-hmm. You know, continue to make that choice to, to yield to the Lord, to abide in Him. You know, there's that picture of the potter and the clay. And I remember uh, the Potter's Field Ministry, they, would, they used to come out and, and do their demonstration. They used to share their testimony about their marriage, but they did it through um, the, the husband was a potter and he would shape the clay in front of the congregation and, you know, he would, he would shape it and he would just, he, he would begin to pull the gunk out of the middle of it. And it was just a, such a powerful illustration. But, you know, we, we as, as a living clay <laughs> vessel you know it's it's you know our choice to to remain on that wheel to remain on the altar to remain in the vine and i just love it you know it's his work and, and all we have to do is abide you know lance said that abiding is to maintain a constant living communion um with christ and you know he talked about when does that abiding begin that abiding begins with confession when we confess our sins and when we ask him to save us and we ask him into our heart, and that's when he, he grafts us in. But then, then the sanctification process, you know, God grafts us in so that we could become more like his son, and that doesn't happen if we are disconnected from the true source of life, spiritual life. Yeah, um, you mentioned the word uh, communion. I know uh, Warren Wiersbe had uh, said this and it stuck out that that there's two aspects to our relationship, and that is there's the union when, when me giving, allowing Jesus to come into my life and, and that relationship that I have with him, but there's also communion. And this is the, the idea of abiding, that there would be this communion. So it's not just a union, just a joining together, but it's a communion. Uh, you mentioned uh, Pottersville Ministry, and when... When they've come, I, we have to get tarps and all kinds of stuff all over the stage yeah. because it's a messy thing, and it's a great picture. And you mentioned that, and, and when I picture him working at the will, you know, he's pulling all that gunk out. He's doing all those things, but when he's done and he'll come and greet people, he's got clay all over his face, all over his neck because when he's in there, he's like this, and he's working that, and and it gives that great mm. illustration of us uh, because we can be that, that clay that can just be stiffened. Like he's adding all kinds of water to soften it. And um, if it doesn't have that water, then it's, it's going to get brittle. Uh, but as it gets all that water and him working in it, and he's just in there with his shoulder, <laughs> with his chest, with his face and everything. Mm-hmm. And you get this picture of the father that that's... That's that abiding. He wants yeah. to be that involved with our life. And, and so we kind of get that picture in mind. If you've never uh, seen 
that you might be able to go watch it online but it's uh, Potter's Field Ministries and you can uh, go and see one of those demonstrations or find out if they're going to be anywhere in our area. You know Jay you mentioned the word remaining and I I read that today and, and it was it was um, you know the same word in the Greek the abiding and remaining and and all I thought about today was that's a word we all should be familiar with. You know, what have we been told for the past year and a half? Remain in your home. And right now, through the, the quarantine, that, that remain in your home. You could work from your home. You could shop from your home. You could do everything from your home. And that's what he's talking about. We could do everything in Christ. And just like you said, it, it, it's not quarantine, remaining, abiding in Christ doesn't mean we go to church and we stay there. That's not what it means. It is, it is that, that um, living sacrifice that, that, that doesn't make sense, right? That living sacrifice, you have to kill a sacrifice. You have to, and, and he's saying, no, we're a living sacrifice. And so, and, and in 1 Corinthians, it tells us that, that, that we are the temple of the living God. And so he, he abides in us, but we need to abide in him and take him just like we've been told to remain. Mm-hmm. We need to take him home. We need to take him shopping. We need to take him to work. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to, to remain in Christ. We have to first, like, like you said, Mead, we have to first have salvation. To abide, we have to first, to remain, we first have to arrive. We have to arrive somewhere before we remain somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so... That's the salvation part. And then, then our, our, our lifelong journey of abiding is that sanctification, that living sacrifice, that character building in my life. You know, I shared, Jay knows this story because I shared it to, when, when we took the interns to go um, pray for Hetty. If you guys don't know Hetty Bush, Hetty, we're praying for you. John and Kelly, if you guys are there, we're praying for you. Well, uh, three, four months ago, um, Hetty found out that her 16-year-long fight with cancer has come to the end of treatment. It comes to the end. They said, we can't do any more. And she is a tough girl. <laughs> I mean, we'd see her come, and she had broken ribs because of the cancer. And she'd grab her walker, stand up. Mm-hmm. And she'd be the only one standing up praising God. This is, this is, this is a tough lady. And um, my wife is friends with her on the YouVersion app. And if you guys have that app, you know, you could be friends with people and you could share what you're doing, what you're learning. And so my wife screenshotted her phone. This was after she found out that there's no more treatment. And, and, and she's nearing the end. And this is what it said. And my wife said, it's June 28th. It says, Hetty Bush started a new Bible plan. And the Bible plan was, was called Becoming a Mature Christian. That is abiding. That is abiding in his word. That is never, never thinking I've, I've had enough from the vine. I, 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 I have enough nutrients for the vine. I'm good for the rest of my life. We're never good. We're nev- we never have enough nutrients 
from the vine. We never have enough. We, we need Jesus till the end. That's what abiding looks like practically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to wrap this up, uh, when we talk about abiding, go back and, and look from verse uh, 4, again, what it says in regards to uh, this. If I abide in Christ, um, I can bear fruit. Verse 5, if I uh, abide in him, I could do things. He says, without me, you can do nothing. So with him, abiding in him, I could do things that I wouldn't be able to do uh, otherwise. In verse uh, 6, if I abide in him, I have life. Because it gives that contrast of somebody that doesn't abide in him withers away and dies and they're thrown and burned. And so I have life uh, as I abide. It, It brings life to me. In verse 7, by abiding in him, uh, we have an effective prayer life. He says, ask what you desire, and those things will be done. And so it'll enhance our prayer life. And in verse 8, as I abide in him, God's glorified. God's glorified in in that me trusting in him. And that's what what pleases the Lord. And the last thing that you see in verse 8 is that this is the true mark of a disciple. A true mark of a disciple, a true mark of a Christian is somebody that abides. Uh, because as you abide, then you, uh, you'll begin to bear fruit and it'll be evident the, the changes that God will make in your life. If I am not a true Christian, if I'm somebody that's not abiding, I'm not going to have fruit produced in my life. And, and the Bible says that I can't be a disciple unless I abide. It's a mark of a disciple. And so understand that there isn't any way to be a Christian without, without abiding in him. I, I was reading, there was an uh, analogy that was mentioned in regards to this. And it's, it's kind of like you going up and you getting married and you saying your vows and, and you have that union. You, you've made that commitment, but you never spend time together. You never talk to each other. You never um, do anything together. And... That's not really a marriage. None of us would, would constitute that as a true marriage. Yeah, I exchanged a ring. I said some vows. I signed a paper. But does that make a marriage? What makes a marriage is that communion. So it's not only the union, but it's the communion. It's not only me professing something, but me remaining and living in it. And this is what Jesus uh, is getting at. So... Uh, hopefully that's uh, encouragement to you. Uh, I know that we threw out a number of questions to the, the people tonight that are here. Uh, some of those questions had to do with a couple of challenges to them. You know, uh, have you, what kind of fruit have you seen in your life in the last few months? And, and also, uh, maybe what, what are some of the prayers, that, prayer requests that you may have that pertain uh, to the scripture that we're reading tonight? Uh, maybe there's certain things that stick out to you. Maybe there's something that jumps out at you, and God just kind of pricking at your heart. And is that a is that a prayer? Is it something that, that you need help with? Um, you know, we're here. Uh, we'd love to to talk with you and love to help you to walk through these uh, situations and to help you uh, to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, uh, please contact us uh, either through email or giving us a call here uh, at the church, and or else. Come on out. We'd love to see you. Uh, but I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Mead. He's going to lead us in some songs. I do not think they're VBS songs. Or <laughs> and so he'll uh, close.
close out this service. God bless you.